Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Are You Kidding Me? I'm Naomi Schaefer-Riley, a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. And hi, Naomi. This is Ian Rowe, also a senior fellow at AEI. And today we are very excited to have joining us Kay Heimwitz, one of our favorite people, both of our favorite people. She is the William E. Simon Fellow at the Manhattan Institute and a contributing editor to City Journal. Over the summer, she actually had a great piece about degree inflation in higher education. And we wanted to talk to her particularly today about the ways that our higher education system is affecting men in particular. She is a kind of expert on men. She wrote a great book a few years ago called Manning Up, which we highly recommend. But why don't we start? There was a kind of a blockbuster report recently by the Wall Street Journal, although it shouldn't come as a shock to anyone who's kind of been in this world for long enough. And the journal reported that at the close of the 2020-2021 academic year, women made up about 60% of college students, an all-time high, and men about 40%. And the data from the National Student Clearinghouse reported that 1.5 million fewer students compared with five years ago attended college, and men accounted for 71% of the decline. So, Kay, welcome. Can you tell us what's going on and how it's affecting men in particular? Oh, very happy to be here, though I have to tell you that I think I know two men in my family who will dispute your characterization of me. Okay. (laughs) We'll have them on next week. But I'll take it. I'll take it anyway. So there are two problems that that Wall Street Journal article point to and that the decline of the male population and or the proportionately male population of colleges point to. And one problem is men and one problem is the colleges themselves. So we should talk about both of those things. Men and women equal power in parity in about 1980 on college campuses. In other words, that that was when we saw the increase in the number of women on college campuses and it actually become equal to men. From then on, it's been women moving ahead and men more plateauing. It is, we weren't increasing the number of men in college, but we were increasing the number of women in college. And by the time we got to the 2000s, we saw that it was going to come close to 60%. You know, it was maybe more like 56% or something like that. So this did not come as a surprise for those of, those of us who have been watching these numbers. One of the reasons you don't hear much about it, I think, is that it's not considered really to be a problem or people are ambivalent in describing it as a problem because they're so used to thinking of the problem as the progress of girls. And in fact, as the proportion of men went down on the college campuses, there were, there have been people for years talking about what should we, what kind of special attention should we give to men? And, and many people would respond and say, well, what do you mean? They're running the country, they're running all businesses, they're running the universities, and what are you talking about? And there's still a little bit of that going on, by the way, well, more than a little. There has been so much attention, so much money being thrown at women in particular, that it's hard for people to get their head around the fact that we now have, we do have a boy problem on college campuses. But it's a problem that starts before college. And we can get into that because that's a long, long conversation. Yeah. So the the patriarchy is apparently still present in most people's minds. Well, in people's minds at any rate, (laughs) not on the university campuses. 
But wasn't it supposed to be a great thing that we had more young women pursuing college, STEM careers? All of this is supposed to be great, right? Yeah. And it's a fine thing for women to be getting an education. But I don't think anybody foresaw that the balance would be so out of whack. And the truth is the administrators, even those who are focused on women, are not happy with this situation. Nobody quite likes to say it this way, but women don't want to go to schools without men. (laughs) So, I mean, this is partly a maybe more than half a social experience when you go to college. And most women, there are women who go to all girls school, all women's schools. But for the most part, women are going to co-educational schools. And they want, they want it to be co-ed. So people still expect a heterosexual scene. And they are going to have more and more trouble finding that if these numbers keep changing. And administrators have been worried about it. And I remember even when I wrote Manning Up, which is already some years ago, there, was, there were already rumors that there was a kind of affirmative action going on for men that they were not having the same standards for male applicants as they were female. And to get back to your point, Ian, I guess most people don't marry their college sweetheart. But the fact is women, most college women are going to want to marry at some point, and they're going to want to marry somebody who is their equal. And We are seeing more women married down on education terms, but not in income terms. That is, they seem to be willing to marry somebody with less education as women are getting more master's and PhDs. Often, they will marry somebody with just a BA. So there is that. Yeah. (laughs) Our our listeners should note that we can see Kay on our screen now, and she put air quotes around marrying down. So don't don't worry, (laughs) she's not that much of a snob. Well, I was just want to say this seems to be a central issue because where are all, what are these guys doing if they're not going to college? This whole idea of prolonged adolescence, where where now you've got more and more women with more degrees, more earning power, and you've got these guys who are doing what? Well, the first question is about whether college doesn't itself prolong adolescence, but we'll put that aside for a moment because <laughs> I think I would argue it does. That's a hard one to answer. I mean, a lot of men just, they don't like school that much. And that's something that people have been noticing for a very long time, that girls are, be- are better at school, meaning sitting still, doing your homework, planning your next assignment. I was saying to Naomi earlier, we always used to hear that, that if you looked in your son's backpack from school, There would be all these papers flying around in absolutely no order. You couldn't figure out which was homework and which was a completed time. You you couldn't figure anything out. But girls, you know, they had all their little folders and (laughs) color coded and all of that. So there was a sense in which school is more girl friendly. And let me add also at this point. This is not just an American phenomenon. Believe me, I'd love to pretend it's, you know, I'd love to go on about American culture and how it's a problem. But in fact, this is going on in all advanced and middle income economies. Once you open up schooling to girls, eventually, over time, they will start surpassing boys in school. So that's one thing to keep in mind. 
Now, as for what those boys are doing, a lot of them say they want to they, they work. They don't want to be in school. So they do find jobs. There are still jobs available for people without a college degree. As I'm sure you know, and probably most of your listeners know, those jobs are not as attractive as they once were. They don't pay very well. They're much more likely to be in the service sector. At this point, to get a manufacturing job, I have this data in my article on degree inflation. It is something like 40% of manufacturing jobs require a four-year degree. Wow. Well, that was never true before. And that Wall Street Journal that where I got that figure said that they're now estimating it'll be half of all manufacturing jobs. But you say in your article, correct me if I'm wrong, but that they're not actually necessarily learning anything during those four years of college that actually helps them in the manufacturing degree or that is really necessary for the manufacturing degree. I can't speak specifically about manufacturing degrees. Manufacturing has changed and you do need much more technical skill. So it is very possible that these young men, and they're mostly men who are going into engineering, then find themselves or or find jobs in high-tech manufacturing. So I wouldn't want to argue that manufacturing is engaged in this kind of degree inflation for no reason. I think there are lots of locations where that is the case. But I'm not at all sure that that's true for manufacturing. Unfortunately, what happens is, let's say, let's say the manufacturers do really need people who are skilled in certain kinds of technical skills, and they start hiring people with a degree, and then they just sort of get in their head that that's what they need. So they may not be always thinking, well, do we really need people with a college degree for this particular job? Maybe not. There's status associated with having a college-educated workforce, even if people are not consciously thinking that way, it may give them a sense of pride or something like that. So I think the bigger problem is actually not in manufacturing, engineering, and that kind of thing. I think it's more in the liberal arts area where we see a lot of inflation People are getting degrees that are not really leading to jobs that will necessarily make use of the so-called skills that they've, they've learned. And I think there are an awful lot of marketing and, and low-level administrative and managerial jobs that people are required, that employers are requiring BAs or BS, a four-year degree, and it's really not necessary. Are you saying men men are sort of more shut out of those jobs then because yes. they're not necessarily pursuing those degrees, but really they could very well be qualified? Yes, I'm them. saying if they didn't have to face a four-year degree, mm-hmm. you might see more men going into those fields, which are now heavily feminized. You know, think of all this in my day, if you don't mind my talking this way, <laughs> we didn't have business majors or marketing majors or anything like that. It wasn't thought of as what you went to college for. And I think we've increased the number of people getting college degrees. It's been a real democratization of higher education, which is a good thing, but it's made the purpose of a higher degree a little confusing at times. It's become more vocational is, I guess, the way that I would put it. When I was in school, listen, 
this was for privileged people, for sure. But the idea was that you were going for self-cultivation. You know, you were going to cultivate your intellect and your sense of fine arts and culture and then explore your interests and talents and all of that. I think people want more practical education at this point. There's not much value in the kind of cultural advancement that people used to maybe used to feel about about education. So I think there's a kind of unspoken identity crisis about what higher education is doing at this point. There are so many people who are, they just want to know where the, what the job is going to be. Right. And I, I'm not putting that down by any means. I'm just saying it's a confusion on the part of administrators, I think. I'm curious what you think of a path, the way out of this morass is in terms of what, what we could be doing in K-12 education. So I'm launching a new network of high schools, international baccalaureate high schools in the South Bronx, which will have a pathway, which is a college pathway, you know, more traditional four-year degree. And it'll have a careers pathway where in high school, students will be able to do internships and in things like phlebotomy or computer right. science where they can learn programming. So at the end of four years of high school, they could have an industry credential with labor market value. What do you see in those kinds of K-12 options that actually may not send more young men to college, but in fact, will make them wage earners, responsible, more attractive, they can still meet girls? (laughs) (laughs) I think that is the way, way to go. It's a great idea. And I think you will find that many young men who are not interested in sitting through another four years of school are going to be, have much better lives as a result of that, of giving them that kind of pathway. We absolutely need to provide more of that. I think it's still important that K through 12 provide a certain kind of civic education. In other words, you're, you're in a public school. The one idea is that we're all becoming citizens of a country that we have to pass on to the next generation. And that has to be taken seriously, too. But for boys' sake, one other change I would make in here, I think you'll both think this is simple-minded, but understand why I'm saying it. I would say more recess. (laughs) We are not giving these boys enough opportunity to sit down, work, and then let off steam. And it seems to me that one of the hardest things for young boys to learn is that transition from one activity, a physical activity, to a much more mental activity. And I think having more recess for kids spread out throughout the day would be very, very good for boys. Oh, I think it'd be good for boys and girls, frankly. But yeah. So can we just sort of like delve a little bit more into if these boys really don't want to go into higher education, can we talk about kind of what the, the factors are that are pushing them there? Because as you say, sort of this whole idea that everybody's going to go to college and lots more people are going to get master's degrees and lots more people are going to get PhDs, which you talk about in your piece. A lot of people think, oh, well, that's a great thing where, you know, we're serving more people here. But on on the other hand, it seems like you're you're saying that, but it actually has resulted in in great problems for these young young men in particular, young women too, but the young men. So what are the things that you see kind of out there in society that are kind of pushing these young men at least to try higher education 
or pushing college administrators to try to get them to enroll or pushing high school counselors to get them to go into college. What are the forces at play there that seem to be not serving these young men very well? Well, everything is pushing them towards college, right? I mean, college has now become a synonym for middle class life. What I read often is we want to welcome new immigrants into the country so that they can find good jobs, raise a family, buy a house, and send their kids to college. That's the way, that is the American dream at this point. And I think I really do understand why people feel that way, but I I don't think it makes any sense anymore. I think the truth is that kind of college that people have in mind is is not what people are looking for anymore. They are looking for a path into the workforce, into their adult life. And instead, college turns into a four-year, six-year, eight-year passage of its own that keeps them not quite adult, not quite child. It has become pretty stunning how colleges measure their effectiveness. They publish their six-year graduation rates. They don't don't even publish four-year graduation rates anymore. (laughs) Is that right? I didn't know. in the Vargo. Yeah, no, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there are a lot of people who are not going full time. They have to work in order to go to college. But I think that's not that's not the only story. Well, no, and it just sets up an expectation that college is going to take two years longer, two years more of debt, two years more of time. Kind of ridiculous. Right. So I think the question that's raised by Naomi's point earlier is, well, how do you undo that expectation or that belief that The four-year college is part of becoming a successful adult. And that's going to be not just a policy issue, but a big cultural process that is going to take time. And really, I'm pessimistic in this sense, because now college is also associated with status, middle-class status, or depending on the college that kid goes to, elite status, right? So we're really doing a lot of our social status sorting through higher education, which is... You have this great analogy that you cite from Brian Kaplan, which I remember reading in his book. Maybe you can explain it more, but but just that you have this, you know, an an, an audience and the the front rows start standing up and then everybody starts standing up and then no one can see. And it's sort of this snowballing effect right. that happens with higher education. Once everybody starts getting a degree, you find that nobody has any particular merit or or benefit anymore to it. Right. right. And and no one's view has improved at the yeah. end. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think what most of us, and I would include myself here, didn't anticipate is something that economists know, which is that the more of something you produce, the less valuable it is. Hello. So it's been cheapened, essentially. I don't, I don't mean because it's been democratized exactly, but just that it's lost its traditional purpose. It is now something different. It's a staging ground, a place setter, you know, for kids who don't, are not quite ready to be adults. And, you know, I think so. It's lost a lot of its purpose. It's what a high school education used to be. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's, you know, I do end the piece with, by saying the real problem is the K through 12. Because what a lot of personnel people say is we want college educated students in our company 
because a college student is just more likely to be able to look you in the eye to communicate what they want to say and to speak in an organized and, and polite fashion. So my question is, why can't we do that in high school? You I'm know, that, it seems like we should be graduating <laughs> high schoolers who can do that. So so it, it just gets pushed down the road to a higher and higher level of education where you have to spend more and more years to get to the same <laughs> same endpoint. My last question is, is just what you think the impact all of this has to do with future family structures in the sense of you've got prolonged marriage, but boys and girls are still getting together and maybe they're delaying marriage or not getting married at all, but they're still having kids. So how does this all play into non-marital birth rates and unstable family structures moving forward? So the more that middle class status is associated with more education. And the more there is degree inflation, where you have to get a higher and higher degree to get to the same point, the more people are going to put off family formation for the simple reason that they're not going to feel ready to be an adult in the labor market terms. So they're not going to be ready to be an adult in social terms, either in domestic terms. As you say, though, particularly among lower income kids, that doesn't always translate as, well, I shouldn't have a child yet. And that's a mess that we have been creating for over over many decades now. When I started researching family issues years ago, I was shocked when I interviewed a bunch of kids and said, who were already parents, teen parents at the time, it was that was the social issue people were most worried about or teen parents. And I spoke to them and said, well, are you thinking of getting married? And they said, married? I'm too young to get married. And there they were with a child <laughs> holding a baby. Wow. And in their minds, that was being married was the more adult thing, but having a child was not. So how we untangle that is, is related, I think, to having to push back graduation from training, education. But it's not, it's not entirely the same. Yep. All right. K to 12 pathways. Yeah. All right. We're depending on you, Ian. We are. You're the man. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Kay, for joining us today. This has been another episode of Are You Kidding Me? I'm Naomi Schaefer-Riley. And I'm Ian Rowe. You can find episodes of Are You Kidding Me? on the AEI podcast channel or wherever you get your podcasts. And please send us suggestions for future guests. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks. Kay, thank you. Thank you.